Okay, uh, let me open the word of prayer, and we are, right, uh, and uh, we'll, uh, we'll jump in. Lord, thanks for our time, and uh, for uh, Pastor Tim and his sermon today, and, and uh, for the opportunity to come together to study, and, uh, and so, uh, Lord, we lift this time up to you and commit it to you in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, we are, we've been in Revelation, we've kind of um, jumped back into Old Testament passages and kind of tried to pull some of those things together. Um, and so now we're, uh, this week, we're going to finish two and three. So the homework was to read the letter to some churches, chapter two and three, pay attention to the end of the letter to each one, and then we'll go into, oh, after these things. After these things, okay, after these things. Does everybody know what that means? After these things. Uh, so um, in uh, 1.19, John writes uh, that he was told to write these, uh, what you have seen, the things which are, and the things which will take place after these things. And so chapter four begins the after these things section, okay? So um, now remember, uh, and we talked about this last week, uh, this is hard for us to get through our brains because we've been taught um, our whole lives um, that the, that Christianity is I don't know I don't we don't even think about it I think um, so so let me ask it this way uh, for Paul for John for Peter for the apostles um, would they have understood Christianity? to be some new thing? No, right? How would they have understood it? The fulfillment of what? The fulfill, is that the right word? Let's think about this, fulfillment. What did Christ fulfill? He came, um, he, um, he came to who? He came to Israel. Um, and what did they do? Reject him. So uh, then what? Did all of Israel reject the Christ? No, the remnant um, of which the disciples are a part believe in the Christ. So this is going to be Paul's explanation of not all Israel is Israel because not all Israel. Is Israel. Okay. Um, so what then is the church? <laughs> okay. Um, and, and we've talked about this in here, and we've talked about it. We're talking about it on our morning Bible study, and, and, uh, and this is hard for us to, to contemplate or to grasp, okay? That the, the word for church, okay? The word for church, let me share... Uh, uh, let me see here. Apparently, I, I, for some reason, my little share button's not working. But uh, uh, the word for church. So, so turn to Matthew. So, I, gosh, I need to be able to share this screen with uh, with you all. Why can I not share the screen? Share. Okay. Um, 
You were sharing your meeting window. Okay, content monitor one time, something like this. Jan, what are y'all seeing? Uh, are y'all seeing uh, that? Are you seeing the Bible when I do this? You're not seeing anything. You're just seeing my ugly face. You don't nod. That that's that was like no no. We're not seeing your ugly face. <laughs> Okay, and there's a delay. Um, okay, well, we're gonna do the best we can. So you're gonna have to follow along um, the best you can. Follow along best you can uh, in the Bible, and I'm gonna, I'll, so I'll try to refer to the, uh, to the passages that were So when we think church, if you've been around the, the Bible for a while, Jesus says in Matthew 16, verse 18, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, right? And so uh, the church uh, teaches that the church began in Acts chapter 2, right? Now, what do we mean when we say church, what does church mean? The word church. What is the word? Uh, what's the word church? It's ecclesia. Okay, it means assembly. Okay, so so the the word ecclesia uh, in um, uh, in Acts. Uh, I'm sorry, in Matthew sixteen eighteen. Um, it does not begin uh, in uh, Acts chapter 18. In other words, that word, let me show you. Um, in the Old Testament, the word for ecclesia shows up over 100 times. Okay? Um, it's 100 times in 96 verses, the word ecclesia. And we can go down through these passages, we can look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 10. Remember the day that y'all stood before the Lord y'all's God at Horeb, when the Lord said to me, assemble the people to me, right? Uh, the, the, the word for assembly or, or ecclesia throughout the Old Testament is used of Israel, right? Assemble, to us, when Israel was assembled before the Lord, okay? Uh, the, the Hebrew word that... Ecclesia, because remember, the, the Old Testament was not written in Greek. It was written in Hebrew and translated into Greek, okay? When the Hebrew was translated into Greek, the word that is being used, uh, that is being translated uh, into to, uh, to Ecclesia uh, is the word kohel, okay? Uh, kohel. Uh, the word means to assembly or to assemble, Okay? I want to do it in, uh, let me make sure I get all of these up, show up. So Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 10. Come on. There we go. Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 10. Uh, the word to, uh, to assemble is the word kohel. Uh, Q-O-H-E-L, I guess, is how we would, would spell that. 
okay? And, uh, and the word kohel is translated one of two ways, okay? Uh, and you actually know both of these words. Let me show you. Um, um, it is either translated as, can you all see this over here? S-U-N-A-G-O-G, synagogos, synagogue, or ecclesia. It's translated synagogue or ecclesia, okay? Did Israel have elders? Uh, yes, <laughs> sure they did. Uh, the elders, uh, yeah, the elders of the people, the elders uh, in the synagogue, yes, yeah. Uh, so where do we think we get the concept of elders? It didn't just drop out of the sky um, because Israel, uh, where does Paul go every time that he goes to preach the gospel? He goes to the synagogue. What's the problem with going to the Jewish synagogue? Yeah, they kicked him out. They rejected his words, right? Turn over to Third uh, John. Well, let me let me before I leave. So, so look at this. Look at uh, look at this verse. Okay, there's a couple verses here that are really interesting. In uh, in Genesis. Now, Genesis is pretty early in the Bible, right? Good. Okay. In Genesis chapter eight or chapter twenty-eight, verse three, uh, the Lord says. Uh, may the Lord, uh, uh, may God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you. It's translated in our New American Standard here, so that you may become a company of peoples. Okay, company of peoples. Uh, it is a kohel amim, a an assembly of amim peoples. It is translated in uh, the to the Septuagint as synagogue ethnos. A synagogue of ethnos. What's ethnos? Does anybody know? Ethnicity. It's, it's, it's nations. A synagogue of nations. Now, do you remember back? So, so this is what God is, uh, is promising to Jacob, and he's going to repeat it again, okay? Um, uh, in chapter 35, let's go down to chapter 35, except this time it doesn't say, uh, it doesn't use the same Hebrew words. Uh, it says um, uh, a nation and a Kohel Goyim, uh, uh, Goyim, are, those are nations. An assembly of nations I will make of you. Now, broaden your scope a little bit here, right? So this is the promise. We've tracked the promise from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. What promise has been tracked from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob? In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In your seed... So all, shall all the families of the earth be blessed. What's the seed? Who is the seed? Christ. How are all the families of the earth blessed in the seed of Abram? Through faith. Through faith. They, uh, and this is what Paul is going to explain in Romans 9. Uh, that um, in the Old Testament, let's just talk about the Old Testament, okay? Uh, if, you wanted, if we Gentiles wanted to become part of the synagogue, part of the assembly of Israel, what must we do? We had to become circumcised and keep the law, okay? Now, um, in Acts chapter 10, right? So I will, well, let's, let's slow down a little bit, okay? So the, the, the Gentile had to be circumcised and keep the law. Good? Check. 
to become member, a member of the Kohel. Of the now, how would you translate Kohel? Synagogue or Ecclesia. Okay, the synagogue or the Ecclesia. So for the Gentile to become part of the Ecclesia or synagogue in the old saying, you, you can say two different Greek words, but it's they're translating the same Hebrew word. Okay, to, for the for the Gentile become part of the assembly. He had to become a Jew. Circumcised, keep the law. Okay, making sense. Now, here's the problem. Israel rejected the Lord and rejected the rock of his salvation. Okay? Not all of Israel, the believing remnant continues. Uh, and so the synagogue is no longer the, the, the assembly, is no longer the assembly that serves the Lord. They become the assembly of Satan, the synagogue of Satan. Okay? And you're going to see this in the Gospels, that Jesus comes, uh, presents himself, uh, and the, the, the leaders, the Pharisees, the, uh, reject him. The elders of Israel reject him. Okay? And so uh, in John chapter 9, John chapter 10, remember in John chapter 9, this is where Jesus heals the blind man. Okay? Um, back in John chapter 3 and John chapter 4, Remember, the Gospel of John, John is saying Jesus came to his own. Who's that? And his own did not receive him, but whoever receives him. Okay. So all four Gospel narratives are going to tell of Israel's rejection of the Christ. And in light of Israel's rejection, the Gospel now will go to the, to the Gentiles. And the Gentiles are going to be brought in to the assembly. Okay. Now, there's a debate that uh, ensues on what must happen to these Gentiles and how they are to be brought into the assembly. Okay, so look at turn to Acts chapter 15. Okay, now remember Acts chapter 15 is after Acts chapter 10. And, right, in Acts chapter 10, um, do you remember uh, in Acts uh, chapter 9? Peter was down in, uh, in Joppa. He had raised uh, Tabitha. Uh, and then he goes to Simon, and we've rehearsed this, but I, I want you to put this together because I want you to hear, because this is not the way that we have been told to understand the church. So I'm showing you how we get here, okay? Um, so in Acts uh, chapter 10, uh, Peter has now gone to Simon the Tanner's house. Um, and he sees this vision of the sheets coming down from heaven. You remember this? And it's happening three times, and he's contemplating what this might mean. Uh, and while he was contemplating this, and he was told by the Lord, you are not to regard as unclean, that which the Lord has cleansed, there's a knock on the door. And it's the three men that have come for Cornelius. It happens three times, three men. And so uh, he, they're Gentiles. He's not supposed to hang out with Gentiles. But because the Lord has told him, he went with them without misgivings. Making sense? So he goes to Cornelius' house. Um, Cornelius explains why he was told to send for Peter. Peter shares the gospel with Cornelius. And as Peter is sharing the gospel with Cornelius, they all believe, and they, the Spirit comes upon them, and they begin to speak in tongues, just as it had us, Peter says. 
Now, to whom was the Holy Spirit promised? It was promised to Israel in the Old Testament, in Joel, in Jeremiah, uh, in Ezekiel. There are several places, right? Uh, the promise of, but obviously, the promise of Christ was not just for Israel, right? Why do we know this? Because in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In other words, the promise of Messiah was to Israel, but it was not just for Israel, even from the beginning of the story. Tracking? So this happens. They receive the Holy Spirit of promise. Peter says, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Uh, goes back into chapter 11. Uh, turn to Acts chapter 11. Well, let's, let's pick it up and let's read the end of 10. While Peter was still speaking, 1044, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were listening to the message. And all of the circumcised believers who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out upon the Gentiles also. It wasn't surprising it was poured out on the Gentiles, but on the Gentiles also. For they were hearing them speaking with tongues and exalting God. And then Peter answered and said, Surely no one can refuse water uh, for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we did. Can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ just as uh, uh, then they asked him to stay on a few days. Now the apostles and the brethren. See, the story just keeps right on going. I was talking yesterday in class. I was speaking in San Antonio, and one of the students said something that I thought, I should have come up with this a long time ago. Um, what we actually fail to do in the church is reading comprehension. You're not reading it. We're not reading it and comprehending what it's saying. We're skimming it and looking for verses, right? Read it. Read it, right? So I... I said, I'm going to take that. I'm stealing that. I'm calling it my own. And I, not, no, uh, I, I've said uh, 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 remedial reading is what I've said. No, no, no. Uh, I like remedial reading. I like reading comprehension better. This is basic reading comprehension, which is why uh, when people say, well, I don't agree with that. I'm going, okay, well, let's, let's sound out the big words. And I want you to track with me here, right? Now, all the apostles and the brethren who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles had received the word of God. And when Peter, notice they didn't hear that he received, they heard that they received the word of God. Uh, and when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those who were circumcised took issue with Peter, saying, you went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them? But Peter uh, began speaking and proceeded to explain to them in orderly sequence, that's uniquely Luke language, uh, I was in Joppa, and I was praying, and I was in a trance, and I saw a vision, uh, a certain object coming down like a great sheet, lowered by the four corners from the sky, and it came right down to me. And when I had fixed my gaze upon it, and I observed it, uh, I saw four-footed animals on the earth, and wild beasts, and all kinds of crawling things, and birds of the air. And I also heard a voice saying to me, Arise, Peter, kill, and eat. And I said, By no means, Lord, for nothing unclean, uh, unholy or unclean has ever entered into my mouth, but the voice from heaven answered a second time. What God has cleansed no longer consider unholy. And this happened three times. And everything was drawn back up into the sky. And behold, at that moment, three men appeared at the house in which I were, uh, we were staying, having been sent to me from Caesarea. 
And the Spirit told me to go with them without misgivings. And these six brethren also went with me. And we entered into the man's house. And he reported to us how he had seen the angel standing in his house and saying, send uh, to Joppa uh, and have Simon, who is called Peter, brought here. He shall speak words to you and you will be saved, you and all your household. And as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them just as it did us from the beginning. Who's the us? The, yeah, the, yeah, the us, the, the, the Jews. And I remembered the word of the Lord, which he used to say, John's baptized with water, but y'all shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If therefore God gave to them the same gift that he gave to us after believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, who is I to stand in God's way? And when they heard this, they quieted down and glorified God, saying, well then, God has started a brand new church. That's how it reads, right? No, that's not what it says. Uh, well, then, God has granted to the Gentiles also, also, also with who? The Jews, repentance that leads to life. Okay? Uh, and so now here's Paul. Paul's taking the gospel out in chapter 15. Okay? So he's taking the gospel out. He's, he's preaching the gospel first in the synagogue. Why would he not go to the synagogue? That's where the assembly is, in the synagogue. And the assembly throws him out of the synagogue, and so he goes and tells Gentiles, and they believe. Okay? Chapter 15, verse 1. And some men came down from Judea and began teaching the brethren that unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. And when Paul and Barnabas had a great dissension and debate with them, it was determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and to the elders concerning the issue. Therefore, being sent on their way by the church, they were passing through both Phoenicia and Samaria, describing in detail the, the conversion of the Gentiles, conversion of the Gentiles, and were bringing great joy to all the brethren. And when they arrived in Jerusalem, they were received by the ecclesia, and the apostles and the elders uh, when it was reported all that they had done. But certain ones of the sect of the Pharisees who had believed stood up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to direct them to observe the law of Moses. Why would they be saying this? That's what, what they've always done. We've been doing this since Moses. Okay? And the apostles and the elders took up this matter to look into it. Um, and after there had been much debate, Peter stood up and said, Brethren, you know that in the early days God made the choice of me among you all, that by my mouth the Gentiles would hear the gospel and believe. The gospel, what's the gospel? The good news of Christ's um, uh, deliverance to Israel. Right? On the, uh, blessed are the few of those who bring the tidings of good news. This is Isaiah, the, the whole Isaiah. So, so the gospel is more than Christ died on the cross for our sins, okay? Now, Israel would say Christ died on the cross for our sins, yes. Uh, and we so we repent of our sins, and we return to the Lord, and when we return to the Lord, he will restore us from captivity, and he will have compassion upon us, and he will establish his kingdom, which is why back in Acts chapter 1, the disciples asked the most logical question of all, is now the time that you are restoring the kingdom to Israel, 
And Jesus says, it is not for you to know the times or epochs which the Father has appointed beforehand. But you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, right? And so this story is continuing. So by my mouth, the Gentiles would hear the gospel and believe. Verse 8, 15, 8. God who knows the heart bore witness to them, giving them the spirit just as he did to us also. He made, and he made no distinction between them and us, cleansing their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, why do you put God to the test by placing on the neck of the disciples a yoke which neither our fathers, why is he saying our fathers, nor we were a, uh, have been able to bear? Which fathers? Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But we believe that we are saved through grace of our Lord Jesus Christ in the same way as they are also. And all the multitude kept silent. And we're listening to Paul and Barnabas and relating the signs and wonders that God had done uh, through them among all the Gentiles. And after they had stopped speaking, James answered and said, Brethren, listen to me. Simeon has related how God first concerned himself about the taking from among the Gentiles a people for his name. And with the words of the prophet, uh, I'm sorry, and with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written, quotes Old Testament. After these things, I will return and I will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen, and I will rebuild its ruins and I will restore it in order that the rest of, the, of mankind may seek the Lord. And all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord, who makes these things known from brand new Acts chapter 2. No, makes these things known from old. Paul writes to be specific that the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body of Christ. You with me? So who was in the body in the Old Testament? Who was the assembly in the Old Testament? The Jews. Um, what changed in the New Testament? The New Testament. Okay, uh, New Testament, covenant, new covenant. Okay, to whom was the new covenant promised? Israel. Uh, because it was going to replace the old covenant, which was given to Israel, Moses, right? The old covenant. What would the, what, why did the old covenant fail? What was the old covenant supposed to do? Why was the law given? It was added because of transgressions, so that sin would be, So Paul's going to explain in Galatians chapter 3 that the law was given so that Israel would recognize their sinfulness, and in recognizing their sinfulness, the law would drive them to Christ. It functioned as a tutor. Okay? The problem with the law is it failed to do its job. It failed to point out their sin to them, and it failed to draw, draw, draw Christ. So the Spirit is now doing what the law fails to do. Convict the Gentiles of sin. The, uh, no, the Spirit, the Spirit of the, um, no. Yeah, they, they lose that. Just delete that from your whole thinking. Yeah. Uh, the Spirit. The spirit, there is no spirit of the law. There's only the letter of the law. The letter of the law convicts you, period, right? 
Um, what's the spirit of love your neighbor as yourself? Uh, there's not the spirit. It's the, that's what it says. Okay. So there's not like this words on the page. And then there's these other things that really don't align with the words on the page. That is the spirit of the law. No, no, no. All right. You are to be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. How do you know that? Because the law reveals that. Right. So what, what the law does is says uh, you're El Stinko and you're failing. Right. And the spirit says, amen. <laughs> right. In other words, the spirit uh, testifies with the law that your deeds are evil. Now, so, so what's happening here is because of Israel's rejection, the gospel goes to the Gentiles and the Gentiles receive the Holy Spirit of promise. The Holy Spirit, which was promised to Israel, but because of their rejection, the Gentiles got it. Why did the Gentiles get it? What was the purpose? This is Romans, right? This, is, this isn't Romans. Uh, it, it is Romans, but, but Romans chapter 10 is actually Romans uh, quoting Deuteronomy chapter 32, which is the song of Moses. Moses tells the story of what's going to happen in this story. Israel is going to reject the Lord. They're going to reject the rock of his salvation. They're going to go after the gods of the nations, demons uh, in whom they have not known, gods of the nations whom your fathers have not known. And because Israel is going to reject the Lord, reject the rock of his salvation, that is Christ, and go after the gods of the nations, they're going to become the synagogue of Satan. And so now the Lord is going to go and take the people of the nations and bring them to himself to make them jealous, to move them to anger. And so the, so the Gentiles have been, listen to Paul's Romans 9, grafted in, 9, 10, 11, grafted in to Christ, to the promise of Christ. With who? You don't support the root, Gentile. The root supports you. What's the root? It's this whole Old Testament promise. Okay? So the church is not anything new. The church, this new reality that is Gentiles in the church with the Spirit in the body, this is what was foretold in the Old Testament and now is coming to pass. Okay? Does that make sense? Tracking? Okay. So the difference between the synagogue and the synagogue of Satan is the fact that Israel rejected so, so listen to what Jesus says. Israel rejects them. Uh, uh, now let's go back to that John chapter 9. Uh, this is John chapter 3. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. John chapter 4. Whoever receives him, right? So chapter 3, came to his own, Nicodemus, light, Jesus, shines in the darkness, death, and that the, dark, the darkness could not understand it, could not comprehend it. G, uh, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, came to his own, his own could not comprehend it, but whoever receives him to the, so the, the, the Samaritan woman is the whoever in the story, right? The opposite of the Samaritan, or of, of Nicodemus. Uh, and she gets it, and she tells others, and she asks Jesus, uh, you say you worship God on that mountain. We say on this mountain. What do you say? And Jesus says, the time is coming and now is when you won't worship on that mountain or this mountain, but through me. I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father for, but through me. Okay. So then you fast forward to chapter 9, and now John um, tells the story of Jesus healing the blind man. All right? Do you remember Jesus healing the blind man? Uh, and the Pharisees are questioning him. And, uh, and then they bring in his parents. Do you remember the story? Bring in his parents, and they say, uh, is this your son? How's he received his sight? And they say, well, we know this is this, uh, our son. 
We know that he was born blind, but how he now sees, we do not know. He's of age. Ask him. Because they have already decided that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, they would put him out of the synagogue. They think they control access to the synagogue. Okay? And Jesus is going to explain, you don't control access to anything. I am the way. I am the gate. I am the door. I will build my church, my synagogue, my cohel, and the gates of hell, you will not be able to withhold, withstand it, right? See what he's doing? So in light of Israel's rejection, Israel has become the synagogue of Satan. And so Christ is going to continue with the believing remnant, doing what Israel was always supposed to do, which was take the gospel to the Gentiles. Isaiah chapter 49 tells of this, that the servant, the suffering servant uh, Christ, is going to come and lay down his life for the servant Israel so that the servant Israel will take the gospel to the Gentiles. And this is what Paul's identifying with. That's why Paul calls himself a bondservant of Christ. He's a member of uh, the servant. He's a servant of Christ, the servant of Israel. Uh, and Israel was always created. They were created to be a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. A kingdom of priests to who? To themselves? No, no, no. To the nations. To the nations, right? In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so this story is just a continuous story that's going right through here. Okay? Now, if we say that the new covenant church began on Acts chapter 2, I'm with you. Why is that? Because the new covenant uh, uh, is marked by the Spirit. Okay? And this new covenant... The Spirit not only uh, is being given to Israel, but also to the Gentiles as well. Does that make sense? Okay, now, in light of that, you'll understand, uh, go to, uh, uh, now, let's, let's, we've done this a few times, and that's okay, because you've heard stuff for 30 years, or however long you've been in church, and it takes a while to, to redo it. So if, if we repeat this, one time for every hundred times you heard the opposite, we'll probably have to repeat this about 50 times for you to get it. And that's okay, right? It, 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 does that make sense? Okay. Now, um, uh, well, okay, so, so good question. So what are we supposed to get out of this? Okay, um, I'm teaching, okay, great question. That, that, that was perfect right on, right on time, okay? There, I'm teaching... Two, we have two classes, two different classes. Uh, one of them is called Acts Pauline Epistles, and the other one is Hebrews General Epistles Revelation. Okay? Now, Hebrews was written to the Hebrews. Good. Uh, and the General Epistles are made up of First and Second Peter, First and Second and Third John, James, Jude, and then Revelation. Okay? Uh, Paul's epistles are written to Gentiles, these epistles were written to the Jews, to the 12 tribes dispersed. Greetings. Oh, now, Jewish believers, right? Uh, uh, Peter is writing to Jewish believers. John is writing to Jewish believers. Okay. So, um, so Paul is writing to the Gentiles to help them to, uh, for help, to help them understand who they are in Christ in the body and how this is supposed to work. Uh, 
Peter, uh, James, and John, turn to Galatians chapter 2. Peter, James, and John are writing to the Gentiles. And this is, uh, Paul tells us this um, when he goes, this this probably was the the meeting in Acts chapter 15, uh, uh, where Paul goes to Jerusalem to meet with the uh, apostles, with the elders, uh, to discuss this. Um, And he uh, explains that they uh, they didn't add anything to his gospel presentation. Okay, um, but those who are of high reputation, this is in Galatians chapter two, verse six, who they are makes no difference to me for God shows no partiality. Well, those who are of, uh, of high reputation contributed nothing to me. On the contrary, seeing that I had been trusted entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised, Paul writing. So Paul has been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised. Um, just as Peter had been to the circumcised, for he who effectually works for Peter in his apostleship to the circumcised also works for me to the Gentiles, verse 9, and recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Peter and John, the reputed to be pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the hand of fellowship, that we might go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised, they to the circumcised, okay? So, um, so, Peter is writing to encourage Jewish believers to endure in the midst of Christ's death, burial, resurrection, and their persecution, which is coming upon them from their Jewish uh, enemies, really, the non-believing Jews. Okay? Um, he writes in 2 Peter that any time after his departure, he's writing to the Jews, that the Jews would be able to call to mind the words of the prophets and the words of their Christ spoken to them by the apostles. Because there are going to be, just as there were false prophets among the people, Old Testament Israel, so there will be false teachers among you. And they will uh, introduce destructive heresies, even denying the master who bought them. Why did Christ die? He came to save Israel from their sins. And John's going to say in 1 John, he died not only for our sins, but for the sins of the whole world, because this was the promise from the beginning, right? But he died to redeem Israel so that Israel would do their job and take the gospel to the Gentiles. That's why we need a millennial kingdom. Tracking? Just making sense? Did that answer your question a little bit? Why do we need to know this? Because uh, who does John write to? Jews. So the second... Go to sec- because because go to Second John. Go to Second John, Third John. Okay. All right. Go to Third John. I wrote something to the church. Third. Uh, this is Third John nine. Okay. The elder. Uh, verse 1, the elder to Gaius. Why is he calling himself the elder? Uh, the apostles and elders. Who were the elders? Uh, Peter and James and John. When Paul goes up to the apostles and the elders, um, it's Peter, James, and John are the elders. They're the only ones that ever speaking when all this stuff is going down, right? It's Peter and James and John. Um, who were the three on the Mount of Transfiguration? Peter, James, and John, right? Um, so this is the elder writing 
Um, uh, and he says, beloved, you're acting faithfully. Um, uh, beloved, you are acting faithfully in verse uh, 6, in whatever you accomplish for the brethren, especially those, uh, those who are strangers, for they bear witness of your love before the church. And you would do well to send them uh, uh, on their way in a manner worthy of God. For they went out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Why is he saying this? He's still pointing out. See, he's not gone out for the sake of the name, not accepting anything from the Gentiles. Therefore, we ought to support such men that we may be fellow workers of the truth. For I wrote something to the church, but Diotrophes, who loves to be first among them, does not accept what we say. Who's the we? Who are they rejecting? They're rejecting the words of the apostles. Now, you, you know this because of, in uh, the Upper Room Discourse, Jesus tells his disciples, they're going to make you outcasts in the synagogue. And they're going to persecute you, and they're going to think that they're doing service to God when they persecute you on account of my name. But when they reject you, they reject me, and they reject me, they reject the Father. Okay. Now go to Revelation chapter two. Here's where this all comes. This this is how where the the, lane, the plane kind of lands. Look at chapter two, uh, verse nine. Uh, I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews, but are not, but are of the synagogue of Satan. Right? Um, these people, this is the same thing that's flowed through the Gospels, right? So he's writing to the church. The church is being persecuted by these Jewish unbelievers who claim to be Jews, but they are not. They're of the synagogue of Satan. You remain steadfast. You remain steadfast to the one who overcame and in remaining steadfast to the one who overcomes, you will overcome even in the midst of the persecution of your brethren, your fellow Jews who reject Christ and are of the synagogue of Satan. Does that make sense? Chapter 3, the message to Philadelphia. I know your deeds. Verse 8, I have, uh, I have put before you an open door that no one can shut because you have a little power and you have kept my word and you have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them uh, to come and bow down at your feet uh, and know that I have loved you. This is all John's language, right? This is upper room discourse, John's language stuff, okay? So uh, my point uh, is uh, this, that when we are reading John's uh, letter, okay, uh, let me say it differently. Um, if the church is raptured before the tribulation, what do we care what happens in chapters 4 through 19? We're Gentiles. We don't even know the story. We don't care about the story. Okay. Uh, the problem is uh, that John and his Jewish believers, do you remember, Paul, does, is Paul concerned about his unbelieving uh, brethren? How concerned is he? Yeah, he's pretty concerned that I myself uh, wish that I were accursed for the sake of my brethren who are Israelites according to the flesh, but it is not as though the word of God is fair. His heart's desire is for their salvation, right? So Paul is taking the gospel to the Gentiles 
to make the Jews jealous so that he might save some of them. Okay? Now, for the Jewish believer, does it matter that God keeps his promise to, to the Jews? Oh, yes, it does. And those are in the midst of the church to endure, 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 endure. Well, what happens to our brethren? Hang in there. Let me tell you. All right? Does this make sense? Uh, and so um, the reason why this is so important to the, the people he's writing to in the seven churches, John is writing uh, predominantly to the, the Jews. This is who he's ministering to. He's writing to the Jews. And he wants to encourage them to overcome. Is God faithful to complete his promises to Israel? You bet. All right? And so uh, otherwise, you just write chapters two and three, and that'd be enough. All right? Hey, you're in the church. Don't worry about it. You're going to be, you're going to be uh, raptured and well, you're good. Trust me. Right? No, no, no. <laughs> you're in, you are, you are, you're in the right synagogue. You're in the correct church. You're in the only church. The, the church that was, uh, uh, the, the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, they've rejected it. And they're persecuting you for it. Endure. Overcome. Right? Now, he's going to keep his promises to them. Uh, in other words, here's what we've done. And so, uh, so let me just tell you kind of the, 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 the debates in academic theological, no, it won't, theological circles, <laughs> is that we dispensationalists charge the, um, the Presbyterians, the Lutherans, the replacement theologians, with taking God's promises that he promised to Israel and making them about ourselves, okay? Um, but we do it too. We're doing it too, right? Replacement theology says that all the promises in the Old Testament that were promised to Israel will, are being fulfilled by the church, by Gentiles. And so the promises made to Israel do not matter because the church is the new Israel. That's what a lot of the Protestant churches believe. That's what almost all Protestant churches have believed throughout church history. Okay. Now, what's the problem with that? Uh, it's a basic problem, and it's called reading comprehension. Okay. <laughs> so when, yeah, I stole that from this. I like that, right? The the problem with that is reading comprehension. Uh, that. Um, uh, when uh, Jeremiah 31, when God promises the new covenant, this is the passage, Jeremiah 31, 31. I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made to their forefathers in the day that I took them by the hand, the covenant which they broke. I will take them from the hand, uh, by the hand. I will lead them into the land which their fathers, and I will give them a new heart and a new spirit, and they will be my people, and I will be their God. And so if the sun comes up in the morning, let me summarize it, or you go down to the beach and there's waves crashing on the seashore, or if at night you see uh, the sun and the moon and the stars, know this. I have not deserted my people from being uh, Israel from being a, a nation of Goy before me forever, says the Lord. So are there, is there a future and a hope for Israel? You bet. Well, in 2020, that makes perfect sense. But if I was living in 1945, I could see where I would struggle to make sense of all these verses when Israel didn't exist. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. We're, we're not criticizing. Well, look, the, the church uh, has struggled with 
um, not recognizing that the promises made to Israel will be fulfilled with Israel. And part of the reason why we have struggled with that is because we think uh, when Peter writes to, go to 1 Peter chapter 1, and look, uh, so maybe we don't get a whole lot of uh, headway into Revelation today, but all of this is helping you understand so that you can read the Bible. That's all I want you to be able to do is pick it up, read it, and it makes sense. If, if, if I can get us there, uh, that's great, okay? Uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to, to those who reside, reside as aliens, scattered. Now, we read this, and it doesn't, it doesn't mean anything to us, you know. So, you know, these are just believers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge, da, 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 to obtain an inheritance. And we kind of redefine all of these words, okay? That word diaspora, uh, the word for scattered, is the word diaspora, okay? Israel was dispersed among the nations, okay? Uh, in James chapter 1, to the 12 tribes dispersed, greetings, <laughs> Who are the 12 tribes? 12 tribes of what? Uh, and they're dispersed. Why are they dispersed? Because of the exile. They were kicked out of the land. And the whole Old Testament uh, is about uh, Israel, hard, stiff-necked, hard-heartedness. And so, uh, um, what's that guy's name? Moses, that's him. Says, I know you people. I'm going to throw you out of here. You're going to reject me. I know you are. And I'm going to throw you out of here, and I'm going to scatter you among the nations. I'm going to pour my curses on you. Deuteronomy chapter 28, uh, uh, war and famine and death, and you're going to serve your enemies in hunger and thirst and nakedness and lack of things. Uh, and uh, when you're in the land where the Lord your God has banished you, and you call these things to mind, the blessing and the curse, and you return to the Lord, then I will restore you from captivity. I will bring you back into the land which your fathers possessed, and you will possess it. So this whole story is about bringing Israel back into the land and establishing the kingdom. And so when Jesus sends his disciples out to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, with the question, is it now that you're restoring the kingdom of heaven? They think they're going to the Jews, which is why they are shocked in chapter 10 when the Gentiles get the Holy Spirit of promise. Just making sense. Okay. So uh, in the Old Testament, God calls Israel a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. In the book of Peter, God reminds these Jewish believers who are scattered that they are a kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. He says this to, he repeats this command to Israel because that's what they were told in the Old Testament. But if we think that Peter is writing to Jews generally, or to Gentiles generally, to the church generally, then we take all of the definitions that were used in the Old Testament specifically for Israel, and now we think that we are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. But that violates every single definition of nation. Is the church a nation? What makes a, what makes a nation? Uh, boundaries and... <laughs> the church is not a nation. Uh the church is but lo ami, in no people. There, there, there's this, uh, it's going to be, a, a, it's translated a foolish nation. It's not even a nation. It, it, I will make you jealous with, not a nation, with a bunch of people. No nation. 
how is God making Israel je- uh, jealous with a bunch of no-nation people? This is the Gentiles coming to faith in the body. Does this make sense? So we want to keep our definitions very clear, very consistent throughout the whole story. So if the Bible tells us that Paul is going to the Gentiles and Peter, is go- Peter and James and John are going to the Jews and we're reading letters written to believers written by Peter, James, and John, at least we ought to entertain the possibility that these are letters written to Jewish believers. And that might be further validated by a statement, something like, to the 12 tribes dispersed, greetings. Which is why they focus in on the law. Uh, James is all about the law. Why? Because he's writing to Jewish believers who know the law. Right? Um, is, it, is this tracking? Is this making sense? So churches that are recognized in Revelation to the Jews, a lot of it points to the synagogue of Satan. Synagogue so of Satan. Versus the ones that maybe were on the missionary journey and they needed houses. What you? Why did the? Uh, why did the early church meet in houses? That wasn't where it began to meet. Yeah. In the synagogue, and they got kicked out of the synagogue, right? So it was to start in the synagogue. It got kicked out of the synagogue because they rejected the Lord, rejected the rock of his salvation. And so it went to the house, you know, the, quote, house church, okay? But in the Old Testament, uh, the Spirit of God dwelled in the temple. And now in the New Testament, the Spirit of God is dwelling in the temple, but it's not a building. Well, it is a building because Paul says uh, it is in the body. The spirit dwells in the body. The spirit dwells in uh, the household, uh, in the temple, in the uh, and so all of the language. Uh, but but it's it was always the people, right? Uh, so the New Testament is the the people, and the New Testament people are now not only called from among the Gentiles but also called uh, from among the Jews, but also called from among the Gentiles. Turn to uh, Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Okay? Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, called as apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Okay, so when... Did God and where did God promise his gospel? Beforehand, in the Holy Scriptures, through his prophets, concerning his son, who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh, who was declared the Son of God with power by resurrection from the dead, according to the Spirit of holiness, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have uh, received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his namesake among whom y'all also are the called of Jesus Christ. Why does he say y'all also? Because it wasn't just for the Jews. And so Paul's ministry is taking the gospel to the Gentiles who are also of the called of God. Right? Is this making sense? Okay. I want you, I want you to miss this because... Uh, Often, 
we um, we get our theo- we take our theology and we put it into the Bible. So we start with our Catholic theology, and we look for Catholic verses. Or we take our Lutheran theology, and we look for Lutheran verses. Or we take our Pentecostal theology, and we look for Pentecostal verses. Or we take our Calvinist theology, and we look for Calvinist verses. Or we take our dispensational theology, and we look for... And what happens then is it severely damages our ability to read and understand. Because what we're reading doesn't correspond with what we've been told. Therefore, we say, this is hard to understand, (laughs) right? And so I'm saying, okay, let's take our theology and set it aside, and let's read and comprehend what we're reading, and then see if our theological system matches with what we're reading. And if it doesn't, either we have to change what the text says. I'm not a fan of that. Or we need to change our theological conclusions. They are conclusions, right? Concluded from what? From reading. Okay. So we read it and we get our conclusions. What I want you to do is, and what I want, what, not you, what I want me to do is become a whole lot better at reading comprehension. I've determined that I'm a really bad reader. I make it say what I want it to say, uh, not what it actually says. Um, and so, so that's what I want for you. I want you to be able, if, if we, we're going to keep doing this as long as we can, I want you to be able to pick up this book and go, oh, well, that makes perfect sense. Yep. Of course that's what's happening. All right. Instead of going, you open it up and you go, well, I don't know what that's doing. I guess I'll just look for a verse that I like. You would not be satisfied because you have not returned to me. Also, we need to return to Jesus. You know, I mean, you just make, you know, just whatever. You just start looking for, for a verse. Okay, good. So John uh, is writing to the seven churches throughout this area, uh, and his um, what is his consistent message to them? What is his repeated message message to these seven churches? Overcome, overcome, overcome. Um, why? What's happening to them? They're being persecuted. A bunch of them are being persecuted. By who? By the synagogue of Satan. Now, who are, who's causing problems for the church the whole time? It's not the Gentiles out there saying, hey, man, you people need to, you know, stop doing whatever. It was the Jews. Everywhere Paul went, it was the Jews that was causing problems. Why? Why did they have such a vile hatred? For the church. Because what was Paul saying? Was Paul saying, um, don't worry about it, guys. We're starting something new. This doesn't concern you. What's Paul saying? They've rejected Christ. Uh, And Paul starts calling them a bunch of names. (laughs) Uh, was Israel the children of God? Were they called to be the children of God? Of course, yes. Were they called to be the light of the world? Yes. Yes. Um, uh, Were they, uh, what did Israel call the Gentiles? Do you remember? Dogs, dogs, right? In Philippians chapter two, Paul tells that these Gentiles don't grumble, right? Do not grumble. Uh, um, 
keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Right? Why is he saying that in Peter? Right? Uh, because it's among the Gentiles. These are writing to Jews among the Gentiles. Listen to what Paul says to them, uh, to the Gentiles. He says, do, not, uh, do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that y'all may prove yourself to be blameless and innocent children of God. He's telling the Gentiles they're children of God, above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We've talked about that phrase. Crooked and perverse generation, that comes right out of Deuteronomy 32. That's talking about Israel. Uh, for you are a crooked and perverse generation, sons in whom there is no faithfulness. In light of Israel's rejection, Paul is calling them the crooked and perverse generation. Among whom y'all, Gentiles, appear as lights in the world. They're supposed to be the lights, but they're a crooked and perverse generation. Now you're the light. So beware of the dogs. Beware of the false circumcision. The one where they just cut themselves up with by human hands. For you are of the true circumcision, not of the flesh, but of the heart. He's calling them dogs. Why is he doing this? To make them mad. To move them to anger. And in so doing, he might save some of them. See? Endure, endure, endure. Uh, and so in every one of these books, the antagonists, for Paul, the antagonists in the church is going, they're, they're, it's almost always Jews. They're always causing problems for Paul. Now, do we have that today? You know, we're meeting, and I don't know, you got the, you know, the Jewish contingent out here, you know, throwing rocks at you and telling you can't meet and you need to get out of Brenham or whatever. Right? You know that? Right? So, so that makes the context within which these letters were written a bit foreign to us. Uh, there ain't nobody over here saying, um, Klingler, you've got to be circumcised and keep the law. Right? But there sure was back then. That's what they went to every, every place. So a lot of this stuff, if you don't know that's the context within which these things are happening, a lot of these words don't make any sense. Okay. So the two... The, that's what happened then. Yeah, that's what happened then. Now the gospel is going out to the Gentiles uh, who don't know anything. So sum up what we're supposed to do. Uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. When you get that done, uh, come back and we'll talk about more. That's, that's basically what we're supposed to do, right? We don't know the Old Testament. Um, okay, so when does that happen? Good. Okay. Turn to Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy chapter 32. All right. Israel saved them. He he divided the nations according to the sons of Israel. That's actually uh, that's uh, um, it says thirty two eight. It's actually he divided the nations according to the angels. We, we know that, but we're talking about it. Um, uh, he brought them into the land. He caused them to walk on the high places of the land uh, and all this. But verse fifteen, thirty two fifteen. But Yasharun. Uh, Jeshurun, I guess is how it's translated. Uh, this there's no um, there's no J. Or I'm sorry, there's no Y in German, and so the Ys become Js, and that's kind of how it gets passed down to us. Yasharun, the Yasharun, Yashar is the right or righteous ones, the just ones. Okay, the righteous ones became uh, fat uh, and kicked. This is Israel rejecting the Lord. Uh, you have grown fat and thick and sleek. Uh, and then uh, you, uh, Yeshurun, uh, this is uh, Israel, uh, Jacob, 
forsook the God who made him and scorned the rock of his salvation, rejected the Lord, rejected the Christ. They made him jealous with strange gods, with abominations. They provoked him to anger. Then they sacrificed to demons who are not God. That's the whole Old Testament. They go and serve the gods of the nations and sacrifice to demons. The gods whom you have not known, new gods who have come lately, who your fathers did not dread. You neglected the rock who begot you and forgot the God who gave you birth, rejected Christ. And the Lord saw this and spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and daughters. Then he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a perverse generation, sons in whom there is no faithfulness. They made me jealous with that which is not a God, and they provoked me to anger with their idols. So I will uh, make them jealous with those who are not a people. How is it those who are not a people? Those who are not a nation, that's what it is. Uh, I will provoke them to anger with a, it's translated a foolish nation, a, a, a people that aren't a nation. For a fire is kindled in my anger and it burns to the lowest parts of Sheol and it consumes the earth with all its yield. All right? I will heap misfortunes upon them, verse 23. I will use my arrows upon them. Uh, I will uh, make their, uh, they will be wasted by famine, consumed by plague, by bitter destruction, by the teeth of beasts, by the, this, the Deuteronomy 28, Leviticus 26 curses, outside the sword, uh, inside terror. Uh, I would say, I've said to them, verse 26, I would cut them to pieces. I would remove them from the, minister, uh, the, uh, the memory of men had I not feared the provocation of the enemy, lest the adversaries should misjudge, lest they should say, our hand is triumphant, and the Lord has not done all this. For they are a nation lacking counsel. There is no understanding in them. Uh, verse 34, skip down. Uh, is it not laid up in store for me, sealed up in my treasures? Vengeance is mine, and retribution in due time their foot will slip. For the day of their calamity is near. The impending things are hasting upon them. For the Lord will vindicate his people, and he will have compassion upon his servants. Who are his people? Through the whole Old Testament, his people Israel. When he sees that their strength is gone, when there is no one remaining, bond or free, he will say, where are your gods, the rock in whom you sought refuge, who ate the fat of your sacrifices and drank the wine of their libation? Let them rise up. Let them help you. Let them be their hiding place. See now that I, I am he, and there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and I who give life. Um, I who kick you out of the land and kill you, Israel, and it is I who will raise you up, dry bones. It is I who wound and I who heal. Um, Isaiah chapter 1, Israel is presented as being beaten from head and toe, head to toe with no one to anoint with oil. Okay? The story we just read, being beaten from head to toe, stripped, no one to anoint with oil, right? It's Israel. It's the nation Israel. There was no one who can deliver you from my hand. Indeed, if I lift up my hand to heaven, and as I live uh, forever, if I sharpen my flashing sword on my hand, uh, my hand takes hold of justice. I will render vengeance to my adversaries. I will repay those who hate me. I will make my arrows drunk with blood, and my sword shall devour their flesh. When does this happen in the story? This is Revelation 19, the return of Christ. With the blood of the slain and of captives, the long-haired leaders of the enemy, uh, rejoice, O nations, with his people. O nations, his people. Why are the nations rejoicing with his people? 
because the because Israel rejected the Lord. The, the gospel has gone to the Gentiles. He's going to make them jealous. He's bringing the, those who are far off near, bringing the nations in. And now the nations are rejoicing with his people when he judges all his adversaries. In you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Right? Now, when will the nations rejoice with his people? When he judges his adversaries. Not before then. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. When he sees their strength is gone, then he will go in. Then he will deliver him. Then he will judge the adversaries. And then the nations will rejoice with his people, for he will avenge the blood of his servants, render vengeance on his adversaries, and he will atone for his land and for his people. He won't be jealous until the end. So all these years? Well, he's... he's yeah. Why? Uh, so, so let me continue down this trail. The better we get at reading the Bible, if we, if we, if you were to say to a Jew, uh, let me tell you why I'm saved and you're not, uh, because you Jews rejected Jesus, who is the promised Messiah of the Old Testament, and you continue to do it, and you are still under God's wrath. You think that will go well for you? That is Paul's argument in Romans. If you call yourself a Jew, and if you rely upon the law, and you, uh, you know, and you teach, do you not teach yourself? See, that's that's Romans chapter two. He's just going. See, the problem, the reason why Israel isn't threatened by us is because we don't know the Bible. And we're not teaching to them. Now we start teaching to them. Guess what they're going to do? They're going to hate our guts. You know. If we start teaching this over there in Israel, I promise you, um, they won't be going, man, we're glad to see you people. Except for the tourism. Well, they're always for the, yeah, well, they like the cash. But if you go over there, uh, the the conservative Jews, the traditional Jews, they don't want anything to do with you Gentiles. They they won't talk to you. They're walking around, right? They're, you know, they're better than you, right? Okay, so is it important for us? that God finish his work, complete his promises to Israel. Yes, because only then will the kingdom come. Only then will his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what we should be praying for, aside from believers or unbelievers believing, is thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So if you want to see all of this wickedness and evil and ridiculous stuff that's going on in our country, and it's been going on throughout the whole world, uh, guess what, how it's going to end? How, guess how that gets uh, gets fixed? When Christ returns. And I promise you, when Christ returns, he's not running for office. And he's not trying to gain any votes. I tell my students all the time, yesterday we did Psalm 2. I love Psalm 2. Because it just presents this Christ that comes in. It's these kings of the earth, the rulers take counsel against the Lord and against his Christ. And the Father says to the Son, Son, you're my son. Kill them all. Kill them all. Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So I said, I told the students, said, your vote doesn't matter. There's only one vote that ever mattered, and it was the vote that the Father cast for the Son. You are my son. So get on board. That's when this stuff ends. (laughs) And so is Revelation. Yeah, it's important. Okay. All right, next week. So we understand how these the, the set, so these are seven letters to the seven churches to encourage them to endure 
fight the fight, keep the faith, run the race. It's the same theology that Paul tells Timothy. It's the same theology that Paul tells the Philippians. It's the same theology that Peter says, you were called for this purpose as Christ suffered for you. You endure, you endure, you endure because the king's come. Right? Now let me tell you about his coming. After these things, I looked and behold. It's about to get good, right? So next week we're going to pick up chapter 4 through 19. Four through nineteen. This is good stuff. I'm telling you, this is good. We're not gonna chapter four. After these things, this is God beginning to make it right. Okay, four through nineteen, He makes it right. Good, Lord. Thanks for our time, Lord. Uh, we live uh, in the midst of a uh, wickedness and evil. It shouldn't surprise us. It's been this way since the fall. Uh, Lord, so um, encourage our hearts through the ministry of the Spirit. Uh, help us to be the people you've called us to be, lights in the midst of a very dark world. Uh, help us to love uh, our enemies just as you loved us and gave up uh, your life for us. Uh, and so, Lord, um, help us to see your example of suffering. Uh, as Peter tells uh, the bleeding Jews to do. Uh, and uh, Lord, uh, help us join in in that suffering. Help us to overcome through faith. And Lord, as we look towards the return of your son, uh, we place our faith and our hope in him. And so Lord, our prayer is that uh, he would come and come quickly. But if he doesn't, uh, help us to be faithful in the meantime. In Christ's name is, uh, we pray it. Amen. Amen.